difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Your defining moment. Identify your defining moment when you made Jesus your Lord. Because when you made Jesus your Lord, that was your defining moment. Now, Apostle Paul says here, he, make, he makes a very sound, solid statement concerning salvation. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What I'm drawing out of that, the application for that, is that when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, that was the defining moment in your life. Because when you accepted Jesus, when you came to faith in Christ, your sins were forgiven, your name was written in heaven, God imparted to you the righteousness of Jesus Christ, your eternal destination changed from hell to heaven, the entire trajectory of your life changed at that moment. That was the most defining moment in your life. No matter what has ever happened in your life that has defined you, there's nothing greater than the time that you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, some people, they just want their sins forgiven. They want to make sure they're going to heaven. They want to make Jesus their Savior, but they don't want to make Him their Lord. Lord. They want to make sure that they have, that they're saved, but they want to live the life they want to live here on earth. But it just doesn't work that way. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Death being not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. Separation from God for all eternity. Eternity in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does it mean to make Jesus our Lord? Well, it means we no longer live according to our sinful nature. We no longer live according to our own sinful, selfish desires. If He's going to be Lord of our life, that means that we're going to follow Him in obedience to His Word and His will for our lives. That's what it means to make Jesus our Lord. Now, I have a quarter in my pocket here. It's worth 25 cents, right? It won't buy you much today, will it? When you go to the gas station next time, stop at 25 cents, if you, if you can. And see how much, how, how much that bought you, Right? Well, let's just say that this quarter is really a rare coin. In fact, it's so rare you can't even put a value on it. And because you can't put a value on it, it's priceless. So in other words, since it's priceless, there's really nothing you can do to make this yours. You can't purchase it. It doesn't matter how much money you have. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's priceless. You do not have the resources for this rare coin to become yours, unless I were to give it to you. Now, it's the same way with salvation. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. When we turn to faith in Him, when we surrender our lives to Him, make Him the Lord and Savior of our lives, He imparts to us the gift of salvation. He gives that to us. Why? Because we cannot purchase our own salvation. We don't have the resources to save ourselves. It doesn't matter how good you are. You cannot save yourself. That's why Jesus died upon the cross, shed his blood for your sins and for mine so that he could give us the gift of salvation. But it comes when we surrender our lives to him, make him our Lord and Savior. Now, let's just say, I want to give you this rare coin, but I ask you, well, do you want the front or the back? Do you want the heads or the tails? 
you'd probably look at me like, you dork, you can't separate the two, right? Two sides make up one coin. It's all or none. Which is exactly my point. Jesus is either Lord and Savior of your life, or he's not Lord or Savior of your life. So if you're here today, and you've relied on Jesus to be your Savior, but you've been living your life for yourself, it's time to surrender your life to him to make him your Lord. Because I'm afraid that there's too many in the church of America today that have taken a vote for Jesus, but not surrendered their life to him. And there's a difference. So identify your defining moment when you made Jesus your Lord. And also, sharing your testimony with others. See, when you have a defining moment in your life, that becomes your testimony. When you've surrendered your life to Christ, that is your testimony that you can share with others. Why? So that they'll have an identifying, defining moment in their life as well. Here's something I would encourage you to do sometime this week. Sit down and write Write down your testimony. What was your life like before Christ? How did you come to know Christ? How has your life been different since you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And just think through that. Write some things down. What was life was like? What did you deal with before Christ? And how did you come to Christ? And what has your life been like since you've come to Christ? Familiarize yourself with that. Why? So that you can share that testimony with others. Because there's going to be times in your life where somebody's going to ask you a question regarding life, regarding the Bible, regarding God, that you won't have the answer to. And you, can, you know what you can tell them? Well, I, I don't have the answer to that, but here's what I do know. Here's what my life was like before Jesus. Here's how I came to know Jesus, and here's how my life is different since Jesus. And the reason I tell you that is so that you'll experience his love and forgiveness for your life as well. So, have a good understanding of your own personal testimony that you can share that with others. Thirdly, identify your divine divine calling. Verse 13 and following. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Your divine, identify your divine calling, becoming one who goes. Becoming one who goes. So Apostle Paul begins by saying, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he starts to ask a series of questions. Well, how can they be saved if they have not believed? How can they believe in someone they haven't heard of? How can they hear unless someone preaches to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? So it all begins with being sent. Do you realize as followers of Jesus Christ, we've been sent? Jesus said, as my father sent me, so I am sending you. Go and make disciples. Go out into all creation to preach the good news. Go out into the highways and byways. Compel them to come in. Go. The question is, are we going? Are we going to our neighbor? 
Are we going to that coworker? Are we going to that friend, that person who is without Jesus? Are we building relationship with them? Are we looking for opportunities to show the love of Jesus to them? To share the love of Jesus with them? Are we taking a genuine interest in their lives? See, people, that we can't look at lost souls as a notch in our belt. We can't look at them as an obligation. We need to have a genuine interest, a genuine concern for their lives, for their salvation, for what they're going through. One of the things I like to do is I like to keep an eye out for my neighbors because every once in a while, when they're outside, I'm going to go over and I'm going to strike up a conversation with them. My wife kind of gives me a hard time because she's like, yeah, they're probably thinking, here comes Ron, everybody in the house. But a little while back, I noticed that one of my neighbors lived across the street. I hadn't seen him for a while. His car was always parked out front, wasn't going to work. I thought, well, maybe he's sick or something. I wasn't sure. Well, then one day I did see him outside. So I went over, beelined it over to him. And I said, hey, how have you been doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How's life? Well, he began to share with me that he had a brain aneurysm and had emergency surgery. And he showed me the incision in his head. Had to go in to to fix it. I was just like dumbfounded. I was like, "You're kidding me!" And uh, so he was been laid up, recovering, and he still wasn't able to do anything. Couldn't exert himself to do anything. And uh, I told him, "Man, you should have let me know. I, you know, if you need help with anything, I'd love to be able to help you out." And uh, so then he pr- proceeded to tell me that in that process, he found out that he had a problem with his heart, and they they had to schedule open heart surgery for him. And this guy is probably a year younger than I am. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's horrible. I just couldn't believe it. And so I, said, I told him, I said, I'm going to be praying for you. I believe in God. I believe that God answers prayer. I'm going to be praying for you. And so we ended our conversation, and he thanked me. And so as time went on, it snowed a time or two, so I'd go over and I'd snow, shovel his driveway because I knew he couldn't do it himself trying to show the love of Jesus, right? Look for a need and meet it. And then when it came time for his open-heart surgery, I went back over there and talked to him. I wanted to pray with him, but for whatever circumstances, I couldn't. So I just told him, I reiterated to him that, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm still praying for you concerning your surgery. So the next morning, his wife takes him into surgery. I noticed the car's gone out of the driveway. And a little while later that morning, the car's back in the driveway. I'm thinking... Well, maybe he's in recovery. She just came home for a little bit. I was out in my driveway doing something. I don't remember what I was doing at the time. And here he comes walking across the street to talk to me. And I was like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be having surgery. He said, well, the doctors decided last minute this morning I didn't need it. That they had, there's some medication they can give me and, and it should take care of it. And I just thought, that's an answer to prayer. What an answer to prayer. Now, up until the point in that time, that point in time, I never shoved the gospel down his throat. I didn't have to. I just showed a genuine concern for his life. I brought prayer into it, God's name into it. And now what does that do to him? He's thinking, wow, I just experienced an answer to prayer in my life. And now that has provided opportunity for me to continue a spiritual conversation with him and bring Jesus into that. And he'll be more open to that because he saw that somebody genuinely cared for him. 
That's what it means to go. That's what it means to go. Don't be so concerned about what to say to people. Show them the love of Christ. Look for needs in their lives. Let them know that you're genuinely concerned for them. Okay? And then, guess what? God will give you the words at the proper time. The door will open for that, for you to share your testimony with them, to share Jesus with them. Identify your divine calling, becoming one who goes, but also becoming one who gives. Becoming one who gives. So in one respect, we've all been sent. We can all go. But in another respect, there are those that God calls to full-time ministry. God calls to the mission field. God calls to full-time ministry as a vocation. And those people need our support. God calls those people, but you and I send them. Missionaries need our support, financial support. This local church needs your financial support. Ministries need your financial support. How can somebody fulfill the call of God on their life to full-time ministry unless we support them, unless we send them? So we can go, but we can also give. We've been sent, but we can also send. I don't know if you've heard or seen the story or movie concerning Oscar Schindler. He uh, had a factory back in World War II. And what he would do is he would purchase Jews to work in his factory. Evidently, my understanding is he had to purchase them from the government so that they could work in his factory. And so in that process of doing so, he came to realize that he was saving the Jewish people from extinction, from being murdered. And at the end of the war, at the end of this story... He had saved 1,100 Jews from being murdered. But at the end, he also breaks down in tears, realizing, thinking that if he could have just done more, if he would have just sacrificed more, if I could have just saved one more, and he's just broken over that thought. Even though there was 1,100 people that he saved, he was just thinking, if I could have just saved one more, When I saw that, I just thought, is that how I'm going to feel when I stand before the Lord? If I would have just done more, if I would have sacrificed more, if I would have made the effort to go talk to my neighbor, if I would have built a relationship with that person, what if, what if, what if? Now, the Bible says that when we stand before the Lord, He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And they're probably tears for different reasons, but I can't help but think that one of those reasons are going to be Tears of regret. Not because of so much of what we've done, because we've been forgiven for that, but more more so what we didn't do. And I just, I don't want to be in that place when I stand before the Lord wishing there was so much more I could have done. I'm afraid that I probably will have regret thinking, you know what, I could have sacrificed more. I could have done more. But I'm thinking, I want to do as much as I can to minimize it that regret when I stand before the Lord. And I'm thankful that he'll forgive me for that. But I want to make up for lost time. I want to do everything that I can while I can. So identify. Identify your driving passion, your defining moment, your divine call, whatever it is God has put in your heart. Seek the Lord this week concerning that. 
Lord, what are your desires for my life? If you don't know what they are, ask the Lord. He'll let you know. Because he will work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose for your life. As the worship team comes back up, Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you do have a call upon each and every one of our lives, that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, God, to fulfill in our lives for the furthering of your kingdom. And God, we just want to make ourselves available to you right here and now. We totally surrender our lives to you today. God, I just ask that you would work in our hearts today, that you would give us your burdened, broken heart for lost people. God, that we would be able to say, as Paul said, that we have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in our heart over lost souls. God, work that in our hearts, I pray. Work that in my heart, Lord, because I need that. We all need that. So, Lord, I pray that we would leave here today with a greater burden for lost souls. I pray, Lord, that you would give each and every person here clarity over the desires that you've put in their heart the gifts, talents, abilities you've given them. I pray, God, that you would provide open doors, opportunities, Lord, to reach the lost souls around us. And Lord, I would pray if there's anybody here today that does not know you, they haven't surrendered their life to you, maybe they look to you for their forgiveness, maybe as their Savior, but really haven't surrendered their life to you, made you their Lord. God, I just pray right now that out of their own heart, that they would just say, Jesus, I need you. That's me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose again. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to live the rest of my life for you. Fulfill your plans and your purposes in my life, I pray. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me, and thank you for saving me. I ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as we sing this last song once again. If you're here today, and you're thinking, you know what? I need God to do something new in me. I need, I need that burden, or I, I just need a fresh touch from the Lord this morning, or I need a fresh touch in my body whatever the case is. So we didn't come here just just to go through the motions, right? We don't want to just go through the motions of church, just go through the motions of worship or preaching God's Word. We want to see God work in your life. We want to experience a fresh touch from the Lord. So as we sing this song, if that's you and you just want a fresh touch, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you're at and just come across the front here. And I'm just going to, while we're singing, I'm just going to come by and I'm just going to lay my hand on my shoulder and pray for you. Okay? I don't even need to know what your need is. I don't even need to know what you're coming up for. If that's you and you just want a fresh touch, you want God to do something new in your heart this morning, as we sing this song, I just invite you to come. You would light a fire of revival in our hearts that you'd give us a fresh burden and brokenness over lost souls. God, I pray you'd open our eyes to the opportunities that are before us and help us to see those opportunities. They would not pass us by, but help us to make the most of every opportunity. 
God, I pray that you would begin to use us, Lord, in a greater way, a greater measure. God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Empower us. Give us boldness, Lord, like we've never had before. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would use each and every individual person here today as we go our separate ways to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, wherever it is. God, that we would be the light of the world. That that light of Jesus would shine through us. Give us wisdom. Give us direction. Show us, Lord God, how we can minister the love of Jesus to others. And Lord, give us the boldness that we need to share that love with others. I ask it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. Thank you for the work that you've begun in us and that you are faithful to complete it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here today. Thank you for allowing us to come and be with you today. It was great. It was our pleasure to be here. Glad to be be a part of your service this morning. And Pastor Tim, I believe, will be back on Tuesday. So you guys have a blessed week, and hopefully we'll see you again sometime soon.